0: Good to see you all here. Every year we do uh, what's called the Advent Conspiracy. And so during December, our focus in our teaching is going to be on the coming of our Lord, the birth of Christ. And we also want to use that time this season to focus our attention on, again, making a difference and change in the world. So instead of it just being about us getting gifts, let's see how we can take our time, our resources, and actually use it to give and not just to get. And we want to do this to our community, and so this is one of the ways that we have been doing it. With Healthy Start, what there is, uh, these socks that you can see up there, I'm imagining the blue ones are for the boys, and the pink ones are for the girls, because I am just quick like that, figuring those things out. And what you'll do is be able to pick a name, you'll tear off that sheet, you'll give part of it to Joanne, and you'll fill out and keep the other, and it's for $20, you'll buy a gift for that child that... You get the name and the information, and then you'll bring that back here. This year, we cannot distribute the gifts, but we can still get them. Um, And so if you want to be a part of that, I believe we have 50 names so far, but we'll get more if we need to. And so I want to take those, get that done as soon as we can. We are also seeing other areas where we can be involved with our community and trying to help out. And so we're praying about areas where we can help out so that people know that at this season we're here to give and not just make this a holiday about getting. And so that's some of the things that are taking place regarding that. This Wednesday, we have our midweek uh, gathering on Wednesdays, and we are not going to be meeting through December. And we will start again in January. I believe it's January 7th. We're going to start and we're going to start the book of Revelation on January 7th. But we will not be meeting the Wednesday before Thanksgiving because I'm usually very busy preparing for the meal. (laughs) I do have to prepare to eat. Uh, But next Wednesday... Janot from Haiti is going to be coming out and speaking with us not only is he going to be speaking he's going to be sharing about the cafeteria that we're building there in Haiti we are also going to be giving him the remainder of the money that we had taken collection for and so it'd be great if you were there to witness that you can take a snapshot while we hand the check we've got a big check made no we don't We're just going to give them the check and uh, take care of those things that we're doing there in Haiti. We've posted a few pictures of the cafeteria as it's progressing, um, and it's coming along just splendidly. And so uh, I would love for you guys to be there as that takes place, not only to see and hear from Jeannot the things that we as a community are involved in, Uh, But they're to just show your love and support to him as well. And so that's taking place this Wednesday, which will be the last Wednesday that we're meeting for 2014. Is that crazy? 2015 is on the way. And so those are the things that I wanted to kind of fill you in as well. And let's pause and let's pray as we continue looking at our series to believe. Lord, we pray that this morning would be an opportunity for not only you to speak to us, but for us to draw nearer to you. And so I I pray that the things that we hear this morning will be useful in our daily lives and that we will move forward forward. Father, in this relationship that you are desiring to have with us. May you give us understanding. Father, may you help us to recognize the importance of these things that we are looking at today. For We ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series entitled Believe. And we are talking about faith. Two weeks ago, I spoke about why faith was important, how it is the language that God has given to us. And it is something that is necessary. We looked at in Hebrews and we'll be there again this morning to see that without faith it is impossible to please God, but it was the foundation. Why is faith so important? Last week, Michael did an incredible job telling us just not to lose this faith that we have, but to step into it and not to resign our lives to be less than what God really wants us to be and has shown us to be in Scripture. And he gave us some just beautiful illustrations in explaining why this is important and the desire to keep this importance in our lives. This morning, I want to continue to talk about the heart of faith. You know, when we hear the word faith, I don't know what is it, what it is about us, but so many times faith becomes this kind of crutch. Well, that's your faith. You just lean on your faith. But there is... Nothing comforting about faith. When faith shows up in our lives, it's something that's usually uncomfortable. It's something that usually involves sacrifice. When we see great episodes of faith taking place in Scripture, they weren't, oh yeah, everything was going hunky-dory, and then all of a sudden God did this. No, they're usually these times of crisis where faith shows up. It's usually people getting thrown into fire, and then faith is an important thing. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to get thrown in the fire. Can I still have the faith? Why does it have to include these times that are just so dramatic, so, so difficult? But that's when faith is needed. That's when faith is supposed to show up. That's where it's tested, and that's where it is seen. And so having a clear understanding that when we talk about having faith and trusting God, it's not something that's easy. It's putting our faith in what we don't see, hoping for what isn't yet here. It is uncomfortable. It is unsettling. But it's supposed to be how we live as followers of Jesus. And so we always see that these incidents of faith that take place throughout Scripture and you'll find throughout your life happen through times of difficulty and times of sacrifice. And that's why it's so important. Because those are the defining moments of our lives. Those are the times that shape us Probably more than any other time. And those are the times where we need to see what we are made of and why faith is so important. So we're going to continue again. And we're going to start again in Hebrews chapter 11. Why not? It it talks all about faith. And so we're going to start there and look at a couple of examples of faith that are there in the book of Hebrews. So if you will, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll read verses 1 through 6. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out out of what was visible. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I knew that was right. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death he could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. As this chapter begins to give an account on faith and these heroes of faith. It starts off with two people that I wouldn't have started off with. Because when I think of men of faith or women of faith, I don't think of Abel and I don't think of Enoch. I think of Daniel. I think of Elijah. Here are men of faith. Here are men who did miraculous things. Here here are people who would pray for people, and they would be healed, who would speak, and it would change the things around them. Think of all the miracles that Abel did. You got them, right? We don't know of any. And the same thing is true with Enoch. What did he do? Why are these people here? And why does he start off with these two names? And I think it's telling because what we need to do before we start seeing fire come down from heaven or the dead raised, before we we move to this place of the miraculous, we have to start with a foundation. And, And I believe that's what we see here in these chapters. And so when he talks about Abel in verse four, by faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous, When God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. We can see what took place in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 to 5, we see now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. the question comes, well, why did God like Abel's and what was wrong with Cain's? Because it seems to me that Cain's required a lot more work. I'm not a farmer, and i you guys know this already. When I start going into farm illustrations, I run short really quickly. But I know... That there is a lot involved with farming. I mean, farmers get up before the light. They go to bed when it's dark, and they have to go out on the fields and they have to get rid of the rocks and they have to put the crevices in the ground, whatever those things are called, you know. And they have oxes, back then they did, you know, or some kind of mule or horse that drags the plow. That's what they do. They plow the ground. And then they have the seeds or whatever they're planting. You know, they put the things there in the ground and then they have to cover it. They have to fertilize it. They have to water it. And there's a lot that goes into trying to raise a crop. Abel, on the other hand, wasn't as involved as the animal was that he had to sacrifice. What he did was take the animal, kill it, and then bring the animal there to the Lord. But Cain, he did a lot more. And so it would seem to me, wow, God, why did you not recognize all those things that Cain did? Why does Abel get the pass? And why does Cain deal with this in that way? And I find so many times that we really don't want God to receive us because of who he is. What we want is God to receive us because of who we are. This idea of unconditional love is a strange one for us. It's not something that we communicate very well. See, if I were to try and tell my wife unconditionally that I love her, what would that sound like? If you were to say, why do you love me? No reason. See, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't, you know, translate well. You know, there's nothing that you can do that makes me love you. Well, that doesn't sound good. You know, it's just the idea of unconditional love is something that we have a hard time communicating. You know, she wants to know that I love her because... She's beautiful because she's sweet and kind to me because of these things. That's what's what makes us feel good. And so this idea of unconditional love and wanting God's affection and approval, well, what do I have to do to get it? Because I don't want it to just come from him. I really am looking for part of it to come from me. And you see, the reason Hebrews begins with Abel is because faith moves us to a place of worship and to a place of intimacy. But that genuine intimacy is to be one of unconditional love and response. Cain was trying to earn God's favor and God's love, and Abel was trying to position his heart to receive it. One was bringing something, saying, here, this is what I have for you. And the other was saying, I am here to receive what you have for me. And you see, that's where faith begins. It begins with us coming to a place and recognition that there's really nothing, God, that I can offer you. But what I need is for you to give to me and so the sacrifice that is given is not something of my own merit it it cost the animal but it didn't cost me but i'm doing it as worship to you the idea of worship has the idea of leaning into a kiss isn't that beautiful it's leaning in to have that kind of intimacy with god and we see that abel came there to get from god but not to say here's what i have to offer you and and at the core of faith is love it's not works it's not how well you do it's not how hard you believe at the core of faith and the foundation the heart of faith is love And it's important for us to recognize that. We want God to love us because in some way we did something, but that's not the way it works. Have you ever told someone, you know, you start dating and that awkward dating, it's like, okay, someone's got to take that first step. Someone's got to, say, hey, I I really like you, right? You, you start there, hopefully, you know, because if you jump too soon, too quick, it usually doesn't go well. But if, if you say, hey, I really like you, and then you expect the person to say, oh, I, I really like you too. All right, that's good. Okay, And then you get a, a little bit more, you know, guts, and you say, I, I really, really like you. <laughs> okay. so, oh, I... I Really, really like you too. Well, I, I really, really like you so much so that I don't wanna like like anyone else like I like you. And you're trying to make it known your feelings there. And the worst thing you can do is tell someone you step in and say I'm going for it, and you say, Hey, I love you. And then after that, awkward pause. If they say, thank you, <laughs> uh, it's it's a knife to the heart because that won't do or, or well, you know, that was sweet of you to say, that, that's not what I was looking for. Anything but I love you too just doesn't work. And, and so it's daring, it's dangerous to have to step out and someone has to say, I love love you and there's that risk and you see faith is about that risk when it deals with people or when it deals with God and it's important because we have to understand that there has to be that risk love cannot flourish unless there is that risk unless there is that trust and faith is just a word for trust we use when we talk about God Because that's exactly what we're doing is we're trusting God. And it starts with love. And I think for us, for some of us, that is the hardest thing. To believe that God loves you who you really are. Because we do so much to pretend to be someone else. We, we do so much to try and hide who we really are. We, we, we don't give all the information. We give the best of the information. We filter those things so that we come out looking better because what would they think if they really knew who I was? And I think that translates in our relationship with God. We feel the same way. If God were to really know me, of course he does. There's no way that he could love me. But you see, that's where it starts. Love cannot exist without trust. And Abel stepped in to that grace. With the possibility of rejection and realized that in loving God, he was actually set free. Cain didn't believe that God loved him as he was and so he had to persuade God to love him. And what Abel did said, I am going to go to this place. I am going to go and worship you because whether I deserve it or not, this is what I want. Is your love for me and people that's where faith begins and this intimacy in this relationship that believes that God actually loves you and it's not based on what you can offer him but it's his position towards you and I can't stress how important that is we see In verse 6, that Cain's response, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Say, faith begins with a person. It begins with Abel, who recognized that there was nothing he could do to earn God's love, yet he stood there to receive it anyway. Cain wanted to give something to God, and if it didn't work, then he wasn't in the game anymore. I'm taking my ball, and I'm going home. Because this isn't what I wanted. This isn't how I wanted things to work out. You see, but Abel... Because he went to receive, it was counted as righteous. Not because of what he gave, because he went to receive. And for some, again, that's the hardest thing to understand. I was talking to a friend of mine whose son has been in trouble a number of times, and he was arrested uh, Friday. He got in a fight, And he was arrested and he's already done time in prison. And so she's worried that this will be his third strike. Because, again, it was a violent uh, offense. And when he was arrested, this is the third time that it's happened. And, And as I was communicating with her, she said that he is afraid to pray Because the last time he prayed before he went to prison, the ruling didn't go in his favor. And so he feels like if he prays that it's not going to go well because God's not going to listen to him. Because he doesn't have something good to offer to God. And so his fear is, I can't pray because if I pray, God is going to punish me. And so many people live in this place where if I'm not good enough, I cannot come to God and expect to receive from him because I've done whatever it is, because I am falling short in whatever area. And she asked if I would be willing to go and visit him and pray with him. I said, of course, if he wants me to come, I'll I'll go there and pray with him, but I just felt, what a tragedy that a person would be in this dire situation, this place where faith is needed more than anything, and what's stopping him from going to God is he doesn't realize that he never had anything to offer God, that God was always waiting to give to him. And so he is missing out, not on the miracle but on the relationship that God has for him because he doesn't understand it and that's where faith begins that's what faith looks like that's where it shows up he doesn't deserve God's love he has it you don't deserve God's love you have it and that's where our trust begins And that he cares. And that's where Abel was commended. And so that's why we start here in this list of these men of faith, these women of faith. We don't start with the mighty, miraculous works. We start with someone who worshipped. Someone who begins there in this place of intimacy. And his worship wasn't based on what he could do. It was a sacrifice, but it was what God was there for to give him and we see the opposite with cain he brought his things before the lord and god rejected them and god says if you do what is right won't you be accepted in other words i'm wanting to accept you i'm ready to accept you it's kind of funny because god has more conversation with cain than he does with abel we don't see god talking to abel but he has a, a lot to say to cain and he's sitting there and he's kind of bringing him to a place You can be accepted if you do what's right. What did he have to do? He had to come before God and recognize that God was the one who needed to give to him. His offering was to be a sacrifice to the Lord, not here is what I can give to God. And maybe we're struggling because we keep trying to give to God, trying to prove ourselves. I'm good enough, God. Yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Yeah, I, I'm going here. I'm I'm going to go to church. That's it. I'm going to church. And going to church is a great thing. But is that how you get favor with God is by going to church? Is that what it's about? Is that how it is? See, if I want to be a person who qualifies for this hall of faith, then I must be a person who realizes that I don't deserve God's love, but I refuse to leave without it. I don't deserve it, but I will not go without it. I am here and I will wait for it. And that's where we start. And then we continue with Enoch again. Think of all the miracles that Enoch did. We don't know any miracles that Enoch did. We don't have any account. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And so we have the account of Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, and it's not much longer than the account of Abel in Genesis 4. It says, When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then was no more because God took him away. And so what do we know about Enoch? Well, we know that he walked with God. And then he had some kids, but then he continued to walk faithfully with God. And that's what Enoch did. He walked faithfully with God. And the idea of walking is the idea of being involved in. In other words, he wasn't just there. He was involved with God. And so we see that even as Abel shows us that worship is the path towards this intimacy with God, which is the beginning of this faith, Enoch shows us that walking with God is a path towards pleasing God or pleasure and joy and celebration. He pleased God. Think about that. What does it take to please God? Because Cain didn't please God with his offering. Enoch pleased God with his fellowship, with walking with. You know, I, I can remember when I was in school and we would walk to school. You, you walk with your friends, Right? There are people or we'd finish school, and I remember we'd walk to a park where I would play baseball, and whenever we'd leave school and start walking, you get together with your friends because you don't walk with strangers, because that's awkward. You know hey. Now, you want to have a conversation. You want to talk to them so you talk about the things that happened in your day, whatever it was that you're going through. But that's what your friends do. When you see people walking together, you know they're friends. Why? Because they're walking together. Maybe they're trying to be friends. At least they're putting in effort. But that's what you do when you're walking with someone. It's someone you know. And here is Enoch who is in this relationship dynamic with God that's actually active. It's not static. It shows us that he wasn't in a stagnant position. He was actually moving and it was continual. It wasn't something that happened on occasion. You see, some people only walk with God on Sundays. Some people only walk with God when all hell breaks loose. Some people only walk with God in the right circumstances. There's not a a dynamic relationship. It's just something that happens when you need it to happen. And maybe you have friends like that. You have friends that are fair-weather friends. They're there when they can get something from you, but they're not there when you need something. You know, the friends who never water the friendship tree. You know, they just keep taking the fruit off of it. They're not faithful friends. And some of us have that dynamic with God. We walk with God when it's convenient for us, but we don't want to walk with him all the time because, well, I've got my own life on these other days. I've got my own way of living that I really don't want God to be a part of all the time. But Enoch walked faithfully with God, and so what we start to see here is... His life was pleasing God because he was in a dynamic relationship with God. And it said that he pleased God. Do we realize that God is the one who created pleasure? Why are there aromas? Have you ever gone into a house when someone's baking bread or cookies? Or you have something that's cooking a barbecue. The other day I did a dog training and we were out walking the dog and as we were walking the dog, someone was barbecuing and it was like, oh man, <laughs> you know, let's just leave the dog and let's go over to their house and find out what's going on. I mean, it's just, why is there a Roman? Why is it so rich? Why did God create color? It could have just been black and white and grays. Why is it that when we hear a stream, it can bring soothingness to our soul? It just brings a solace to us. We, we see a sunset and it's romantic over and over again. Why did he create such beauty? Why did he make it so that we can enjoy the company of someone so that we could get near a fire and get warmth so that we could have a, a intimacy with someone or relationship the sexual relationship was created by God do we realize that or, or, or do we distance and disconnect ourselves from all these things not recognizing that God is the one who who put these things together. In Psalm 16, verse 11, says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. <clears throat> if at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore, then when Enoch was walking with God, he was walking in those pleasures of God consistently. Or do we think that God is out to stop us from having fun? God is is the big killjoy. He's going to quench all those things. I really want to have a good time, but I I can't be with God because that will take away from the good time that I want to have. And we don't recognize that the best time you could have is actually the time when you're in that relationship with god and you're walking with him that at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore and we we seem to think that the laws of god are are restrictive you know the, just the idea of commands i don't like the word commands i like the word freedom right commands freedom they just sound different commands hello. freedom sounds fun but the psalmist says in psalm 119 that I run towards your commands and my heart is set free. How can that be? How can it be that these commands of God that would in our minds bring limitations are actually the commands that bring freedom, are the commands that actually bring joy and pleasure? Why do we think that God is going to take those things away? If without faith it's impossible to please God, then with faith we find pleasure in God. So if it's impossible to please Him without faith, then with faith we find there is the pleasure in that trusting Him and believing that he exists. That's the beginning. If anyone comes to God, they must believe he exists. If you say, okay, I do, I believe that God exists. Great, it's not that great. That's the starting point, okay? Then he moves on, he says, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that idea of earnest. Has an idea of being driven. And when we see that throughout the scripture. And Jeremiah 29, verse 12, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And we you know has this picture oh, I'll be found. You'll, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's like God's playing this hide-and-seek game. You got to really look. I'm not just going to be out there. Here I am. You got to seek me. And then when you do, you'll find me. And why is he playing hard to get? Why is he making it so difficult? What he's doing is challenging us. Will you step in to this relationship? Will you really walk with me? Will you pursue me? Am I important to your life? Do you realize that? Do you trust me? Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Again, God says, you step in and see what I will do. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We, we see that there is this response that God is waiting to give, wanting to give, but he's waiting for us. And if we will not step, he holds back. You see, I don't think that we can make God do more for us. Than what he wants to do but i think we can keep god from doing all that he wants to in our lives because we never step into it and i think god is standing there saying why don't you seek me do you not know what blessings i want to give to you do you not see the pleasures that i can produce in your life You want to live a life that is rich, that is exciting, a life that is filled with faith? Then walk with me. Worship me and see if I will not pour out the storehouses of heaven on you. How would our lives change if we really trusted God, really believed those things? How would it affect our daily routine? How would it affect the times that we would spend in prayer or reading? How would it affect how we spend our money and our finances? How would it affect the relationships that we're in? Would they become richer and better or would they become less if we actually walked with God? in all these areas of our lives. And and then we see that Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, because whoever asks, it'll be answered. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be opened to them. If we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Once again, we see that if you would just trust me, seek me, follow me, walk with me, delight in me, I'd give you the desires of your heart because the desires of your heart are only found in the delight of the Lord. And this is where faith begins. We can't make God do more for us, but we can sure make him do less than he really wants to do. And maybe... You're not a Daniel. You don't have the faith. Maybe you're not Elijah who can call fire down from heaven. But maybe you can be an Abel. Who can come before God and say, this is who I am. I have nothing that I can offer of worth to you except my worship. Maybe you can be an Enoch who can say, well, I I can walk with you. I want to be with you. And maybe at that point and from that place, it can begin your life of faith. And maybe this morning, that's where you're at. Maybe you're a person and says, well, I want to believe in God. I want to be a person of faith, but I don't know how. I don't know what to do. I just seem to be lacking that. Well, don't try and follow the way of Cain. Come and worship and recognize what God has for you. Because right now is a great opportunity for us to do just that. Because Jesus has given us the perfect example of God's love for us. And he's given us a legacy that we can follow in, in communion. And we're going to partake together of communion. And again, I don't know what your ideas are of communion. I've heard it said so often, well, you know, only come to the Lord's table if you're right with God. Well, okay, right now I'm going to tell you you're all not right with God. As right as you could be, okay? So sorry, Uh, no communion today, you're just not good enough. This isn't Cain bringing his best to God. This is God saying, this is what I have done for you. You want to begin a life of faith, then receive the love I have and worship me. And that's what we have the opportunity to do here this morning. I'm going to have the band come up. And what we're going to do is as they're singing, I, I want us to take this time and recognize that we have the ability to be like Abel and come before God. And as he brought that sacrifice and worshiped God there, leaned into that kiss with God, we are doing the same thing at the Lord's table. You can come and take the bread. You can dip it one time in the juice and then you can either go back to your seat and partake it or you can take it right there. But what I want you to do is recognize what Abel recognized all those years ago is this is my opportunity to worship. I I may not be able to earn God's love but I am not going to leave without it and no one here has to no one here has to leave without God's love it's been given freely and Jesus said this is my body broken for you take and eat it this is my blood poured out for you the blood of the new covenant as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup You proclaim my death. You preach God's love until I return. And what we're doing here this morning is what Abel did so long ago. And because he did it in the heart that he did it with, he was considered righteous. Maybe this morning will be your beginning You want to start walking with God, then be like Abel and worship him. Recognize that he has done what's necessary for you. So, as we start singing, we're going to take some time, and you can come up during the song and receive the cup. Let's pray before we start with the song. Father, your love is overwhelming. And it is your goodness that leads us to repentance. Father, we stand here before you with nothing of value, nothing that can earn our way to your approval. We come here to worship you. And in worshiping you, we will receive your love. Lord, we we come here to have a... Relationship with the living God to walk with you, even as Enoch did. And Lord, you have made the way for us so that we can. And so, as we remember you and your love, Lord, as we partake of this bread and this cup, Lord, we remember your sacrifice for us and how the door is now opened so that we could have the relationship. Desired with you. Not because we deserve it. But because it is your desire. For us. To know you. And to receive the sacrifice. That you've given for us. I pray that everyone here would be. Aware of your goodness. Your love. Might we be aware. Even as we partake together Lord. In Jesus name. Let's worship the Lord. In song and in the table and the cup. Come up as you feel led. Verse 14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Father, you have called us to know what is beyond our ability to know. To, Lord, see those things that are invisible. To believe the things that are unimaginable, Lord. And, Lord, you will do within us what we are unable to do. Lord, we desire to be people of faith. People who worship you. People who love you. People who walk with you. Lord, may this... Morning, be that first step in a deeper relationship with you. May you strengthen us in this holy faith, we pray and ask, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, and let's leave in a celebration of worship, and may this day be the first of a new and deeper walk, rich in faith with the Lord. God bless you guys.